Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Stolen Goodbyes podcast with me, Karen Rice. This is being recorded remotely due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Today I'm joined by Katie Haslam from Wiltshire in the UK. She lost her father, Terry, to COVID-19 on April the 8th. He was aged 70. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Um, I'd just like to begin by asking you what your dad was like, both as a dad and as a person. Well, in my eyes, he was the best dad, but I would say that because he was my dad. He was really funny. He was kind. He was caring. He had such a cracking sense of humour about him. Yeah, he's just a really, really kind and generous man, really. Can you think of any examples of his humour? Anything that stands out for you? (laughs) Well, a lot of his jokes were quite rude, uh, (laughs) so I won't say any of them. But he, he would just come out with it. He would, it, it would be at a moment where we'd all be quiet or something and he'd just, he'd just come out with his joke and sometimes I don't even know where he'd even get it from. He had a stroke back in 2011, so he was disabled. Uh, so he didn't get out very much and he sort of just, he spent most of his time watching TV. And yeah, he just, he, he, whether he got him off the TV or something, I don't know. He'd just come out with these brilliant jokes and he, he'd always say it at the right time. If if it was a quiet moment or if anyone was down, he would he would just come out with this this joke. So he had great comic timing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And it sounds like he had a setback, but you know he just got on with things. Yeah, yeah, he did. He it, it changed his life drastically. Well, it changed all our lives after his stroke. Uh, my mum became his full time carer. She still worked and managed to work around it. They didn't have any carers in. She she did it all. She did it all herself. But yeah, he didn't get out as much as he as he was before his stroke. But they they involved with um they got involved with local friends and like a local stroke club. So they they tried getting out places. But he he just enjoyed something simple. If he did get out, he wouldn't mind just going, you know, down down the pub or something for a quick for a quick drink. He he didn't he was quite happy with the simple things in life. And what about his past? What did he yeah, work out and how you met he, your mother. He's had many jobs. <laughs> but they lived and uh, they met up in well, they met in Crowthorn and they both worked up there and then they met and moved down here and had me. I'm, I'm a single child. And yeah, they li- they lived in Westby before Warminster and he just worked in the local supermarket before his before his stroke, which unfortunately changed a lot of things. Yeah. And is there anything that you really miss about him on a daily basis? It's the most simplest thing. But every time I used to go to my mum and dad's, I used to walk in and he just used to say, all right, Kate. And I really miss that. Just him coming in, just saying that to me. And it, it's, I thought about it and it's, yeah, it's just the most simplest thing to say. He, did, he wasn't a man of many words, but even just walking in and him saying that, and it, I really miss it. And do you look back now and are there sort of treasured moments or memories, time spent, a holiday, um, you know? 
before he become before he caught covid my mum went away with a few of her friends this was before lockdown and um i and i stayed and looked after him and it's a treasured moment it was a must have been about a month or so beforehand and we didn't like i said we didn't do much he just stayed at, at his house and we just watched tv but it was it was one-on-one time and I and I really treasure that and he actually said at the end of the day he had a really good day with me which I don't know if he was taking the mickey because we didn't do anything but even still I, I, I had a good day with him as well and I, and I really treasure that. That's great. Can you describe how how he fell ill what happened? Um, it was must have been a couple of weeks before he become ill he he ended up coming a bit poorly and he he went into hospital and it turns out he was diagnosed with diabetes, which was fine. He was, they, they isolated him because all of this was going around, but he didn't have any symptoms and they tested him and he was negative. Um, negative for COVID-19. Few, yeah, negative for COVID. And he stayed a few days in hospital and, and come home with a, you know, with a plan with his insulin for his diabetes. And we thought back to normal life, it's fine. And a couple of days of him being home, he complained of a sore throat no temperature, no cough, none of the normal, you know, typical symptoms, like they say, just, just had a bit of a sore throat and he was extremely tired. And usually if he got um, an infection or something, he would come very drowsy. So we kind of thought maybe he's coming down with something. Again, none of the symptoms, just a bit of a sore throat. And we had to go back into hospital and he went in and they kept saying, he's fine. He's all right. Whether he had a bit of a chest infection come in they, they didn't really know and then they said that he was positive for the covid so it, it really come out the blue it was, it was a, a real big shock what were your thoughts at that moment I was I was slightly angry at the time because we were ringing up every day because of course we couldn't visit him and uh, they were saying he's fine he's okay and one day I couldn't I couldn't get hold of anyone because they're busy understandably and it was a few hours later that someone, I managed to speak to someone and they said, when was the last time you've spoken to anybody, which was the previous day? And then she said, oh, his COVID swab has come back positive, which I was, my initial reaction was angry because they hadn't told us. And then I just, I was so worried because I thought, you know, with everything going on and people dying from it, you know, I thought, oh, I, I just didn't want him to. But they kept saying, he's fine, don't worry, you know, he's okay. So it, it, it's, I was angry and I was sad, but it was sort of relieved. And I thought, okay, he'll be all right with this. Unfortunately, because my dad was disabled, he couldn't, he couldn't use a phone or, or video call or anything like that. So did we he not have to... the use of his arms? No, he had the use of one arm, but he wasn't, he wasn't very tech savvy, I must say. And he, he, and he wasn't the, the best. He was very limited on movement. Um, so we managed to drop a very simple phone off to him. But unfortunately, the ward he was in had very bad signal. So we only managed to speak to him for a, for a couple of seconds before the phone used to cut out. And we only just managed to say hello, really. And then the phone would cut out. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Again, it, it was frustration. And I think... I think now, because some people in hospital are, you know, are able to video call or use their phone or can email or, or text. And because he couldn't, he was in and, and we were worried because he was on his own. And he's very quiet the way he talks. We were worried if he was going to 
if people would hear him, if he would understand them with obviously their PPE that they're wearing. And it, it was just a constant worry. I felt a little bit of relief when I was able to drop the phone in and, and we would ring drastically. And unfortunately, we'd just say hello and then the phone would cut out, which was, it was so frustrating because you just wanted to talk to him and you couldn't. And I understood that they, we couldn't talk actually on the hospital phone because, because of what was going on. It had to be his own phone. How long did that go on for, not being able to speak to him? It was, it was two days. Well, it was a day. We dropped it off on the Monday and we were told he was fine. And then on the Tuesday morning, I remember ringing with my daughter, who's only, she's six months today. Um, we were saying that we were going to ring Grandad and he didn't answer the phone, which I thought, okay, maybe he's busy. And the hospital had rang my mum to say, unfortunately, he wasn't going to get better and that he looked like he was going to pass in the next couple of days. So it was a real massive shock because we were told he was fine. And then all of a sudden, he's going to pass away. It, I had so many emotions. I, I didn't know what I was feeling, really. How do you explain that, the sudden change? It, I, I don't even know. It was, it was so, I, I still can't get my head around it now. It was a big shock to the system. I think it was a shock initially when he tested positive for COVID because he hadn't, he hadn't been anywhere prior to him going to hospital. He was home for four weeks. He hadn't gone anywhere. The only person he's seen was my mum. And when he come out of hospital the first time, he, he didn't even I said, I won't, I won't come up and see him. Um, so it, it was, it was, um, it's quite confusing. I think even now we're still, you still can't get your head around it. It's, it's, it's a massive shock to the system. So take me forward from when they said he may not make it. So when they rang my mum and said that, unfortunately, because my mum had cared for him, she wasn't allowed to see him. They rang her back and said, has your daughter seen him? Which, which I hadn't. And they said that I could come down and say my goodbye. I could stay for an hour and I could say goodbye to him. Initially, I didn't want to do it. I wanted, because I thought I didn't know what he was going to be like, but I knew I had to do it. So um, I went down to the hospital and I got myself, I had to get all up in PPE and I got myself all braced because I thought they, they said he was quite unresponsive. He wouldn't be able to speak on the phone, which is always and will be the hardest thing for my mum not actually being able to say goodbye to him. So I got myself all prepared and mentally prepared. And as I walked in to a ward where he was with four other people, he was sat there and he and he looked himself. It was, and it was really confusing because he was sat on the oxygen and he recognised me. He was able to talk to me. And again, I, I, I had another emotion. I thought, oh, I thought, I thought he wasn't going to be with it. And um, I sat down next to him and he wanted to know if I had my phone on me so he could find out the football scores because <laughs> he didn't realise all the football had stopped. And then he said to me, they're taking me off these antibiotics he said I think I'll be coming home tomorrow which was even harder because I thought oh god you think you're coming home which I went along with it and I and I had to I rang my mum and she and in a way we couldn't say our goodbye because we didn't want him to know we were saying goodbye because I didn't want him knowing that something you know was going to happen I what if he wanted if he thought he was coming home I would rather have that in his in his head so we were saying it in a roundabout way, really. But he was more interested in figuring out what the football scores were because he was who, football mad. Who did he so I had, uh Manchester United. Absolutely loved him. So I had to try and drastically find something for him. 
and hold back my emotion because I didn't want him knowing. And I was allowed an hour and then he was getting tired and I said, do you want me to go? And he said, yeah. He said, I can't come back. I can't, you know, this, you know, and he, he was, he was all like, yeah, cause I suppose he thought I'll be, I'll be coming home in the next couple of days. So that was that. Um, I left, I had to come home, I had to take all my clothes off and shower before I touched anything or seen anyone. And then I went to my mum's and we basically just waited. We waited for that dreaded phone call, which come on the Wednesday evening, which was the day after to say that he passed away and that a member of staff was with him when he, when he passed away. So how incredibly hard for, for your mother. Yeah. And I think without all this, if you get a phone call to say that, you know, your loved ones passed away, naturally you would go, you would hold their hands, you'd be with them, you sit with them until it happens but you're, you're taken of it. You're, you're robbed of that. You can't, and it's, it's, you, it's not closure really. It's none of it's, the whole thing has never been closure for us. And the last sort of proper conversation that you and your mother would have had with him. Do you recall that? No, I think we were, I think the last conversation she had with him was when he was saying he was ill. But again, we said, you know, don't worry, you know, you're probably coming down with a bit of cold or something. Because again, people keep going on about this continuous cough and this high temperature and these typical symptoms that he he never got. Subsequently, my mum ended up catching it as well. And again, she didn't really have a high temperature. She just, she just felt very unwell. Um, and, And thank thank god she was managed to she recovered from it but i think that didn't help her as well for the whole grieving process afterwards because she felt so awful in herself and she's trying to grieve for her husband it, it was just a complete nightmare for, for both of us there must have been a feeling of guilt that that she made it and he didn't yeah yeah i think yes i think she does yeah i think you always ask you know why and if i did this differently and and things but i think you, with anybody passing i think you'd always ask yourself that so you got you got that awful phone call yeah and take me forward from there um when we got the phone call it was in the evening um must have been about eight o'clock in the evening I think that we we got the phone call to say he passed away and I bet I rang around his family he had um he's got brothers and sisters up in Manchester which they knew he was poorly we told them that they said that he you know he wasn't going to make it so I contacted them, contacted a few friends. My mum my wasn't able to do it. And I think it helped me to get through the, with me doing things. I think with ringing everybody and organising it, it helped me. So we, we, yeah, we just rang people really. And it, was, and it was really hard because some people didn't know he was unwell because it happened so quickly. A few people knew he was in hospital, but we were, you know, people would say, how is he? And we were just telling them what we were told, that he was okay. And then all of a sudden that he's passed away was was quite a shock for people as well. Yes, I can imagine. And what about the funeral? Were you able to Um, organise something there? Yeah, it was very, unfortunately, it was very straightforward. He, He was cremated. We were allowed 10 people at his funeral. And unfortunately, because it was in the time of lockdown and because it was only 15 minutes long, his brothers and sisters weren't able to come down because it's a long way to come from Manchester down here um, for for 15 minutes and we're nowhere to stay. So they had to watch it over webcast, which was, it was really, it it was nice that they were able to see it, but it, 
you know, not nice that they weren't there. When, yeah, like I said, when we, it was 10 people, we were all two meters apart in the car park waiting. We wasn't allowed to see the body. He wasn't allowed to, wasn't in the chapel rest. The coffin wasn't allowed to be carried. It had to be wheeled in. We had to be so far away from the actual funeral group. And when we went in, all the chairs were separated. It, it, it was it was horrible. I mean, funerals aren't nice anyway. But you and in a way, when you have a funeral, you organise a wake. You have people there, family and friends, and then you celebrate their life afterwards. And it's in a way, it's closure. But because of all this, it's it's not closure because after the fifteen minute service, we all left. We all got in our own cars and we all just went our own ways. And normally that wouldn't happen. You'd all go somewhere and you'd all be able to meet and talk about it or hug. And, and I think naturally if someone's grieving or you've lost someone, you would normally hug someone and support them. And, and we couldn't even do that. It was, it, was, it was really weird. It was surreal, really. How do you come to terms with that? I think what we're going to do when we can is we always had it in our head that we would do a memorial service for him. Really, basically a big party, celebrate his life, have everybody there. And I think we've always got that in our head, something to aim for, that we can actually do that, that we can get some closure eventually. Unfortunately, it can't be at the time, but hopefully we can do it soon. That sounds lovely. Is there anything that keeps you awake at night now? Ever since he's passed away, I've never been able to sleep properly. I've never been the greatest sleeper, not with a baby anyway, but I don't know. It's just something obviously just keeps me awake. I think you think about him and it, and as soon as you think about him, whether him being in hospital or him passing away, I, and I know my mum said the same, you instantly get this sicky, horrible, anxious feeling. And you have to, I have to stop trying to think of him, which is a horrible thing to say, but it makes, it makes my stomach churn. It's, it's, and I think because the whole thing, he shouldn't have gone when he, ha- when he did kind of thing. And I think if he, and it's sad for anybody, but if he had a long-term illness or we knew that he was going to pass away, then you can sort of, you get your head around it. But when it's all so sudden, it, it, it leaves you so well, unable to do things. And how do you feel about the government handling of the pandemic? I mean, I know it's something, it's something that they, they never dealt with before and they, and they didn't really know what they were coming to terms with. I, I feel that they should have probably put us in lockdown earlier. I think maybe, I think we're being told different things all the time. I think if they didn't know what they were doing, I don't think they should have said something. And it seems to be all the things change every five minutes. I mean, I know when they're saying about it's compulsory to wear masks now, but at the start they were saying masks didn't do anything. So I think everybody's being told different things. So it's all, it's all a bit confusing really. But I understand that it was something that they'd never come across before you know they were trying to come back on something and but I think they could have done things differently how do you think your dad was exposed to the virus I think he was exposed to it in hospital I think he because that would have been the only place when he was in the week before he'd come home he didn't see anybody it was either maybe via the transport with him coming back or or somewhere somewhere in the hospital and if there was one thing that you could change I think if I could go back in time and I think I wouldn't let him go in hospital in the first place. I think, but you know, it's something that he had, he had to be in. He was, he was quite poorly with this, this undiagnosed diabetes, which we didn't know what it was at the time. But I think if I could, I'd go back and, and stop him from going in hospital in the first place. 
wrapped nice. up in cotton and don't let him near anyone. <laughs> and he must have loved uh, your your daughter, your grand, his grandchild, very much. Yeah, she. Um, it was his first granddaughter, and he absolutely loved her. Absolutely loved her to pieces. And it's really sad, really, because I mean, he will remember him with her, but she won't remember him. And that's that's really sad because he should be seeing her grow up and and all the things. And I tell my mum all the time she's doing this for the first time if she's laughing or rolling and and I can't tell him unfortunately. And if there was a message that you'd want to share with the world just about obviously what you've been through the pandemic, losing your father, the fact that you couldn't say a proper goodbye or grieve properly even to this day. What's the sort of key message you'd want to share with the world, people who haven't been touched by it in some way? That, that it, it, it really affects you. I think before I knew it was happening, before my dad got ill, but in a way I think you're quite naive and you think, I don't know anybody that's been affected by it. And you hear about it every day and you hear about all these deaths. But I think if it doesn't personally affect you, you sort of step away from it. But when it does, it's... It's a massive shock to the system, and it and I would say to people, it really, it really does, and it, it it messes up your whole life. You're you're not able to, like you say, you're not able to grieve. You can't have a, a proper funeral. You can't even say goodbye. And so many people have been affected by it, and it 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 can happen to people you know, and it can happen to you as much as people that oh it won't happen to me or I don't know anybody, but it's it it really can. People talk about getting back to normal or getting back to a new normal. What are your thoughts on that that sentiment, that statement? I think we, we, we won't ever go back to normal. I know um, all the TV adverts that come on and say, you know, for the time being, you know, you'll see your loved ones again. It won't be long. And I'll always remember my mum saying, well, no, we won't. We won't see our loved ones again. It's not like we're going to be away for a couple of months and then we're going to you know, pick up where we left off. For some people, that it, it won't be normal. It's a massive change for them. And people are going out and they're being able to go to pubs and restaurants and, like you say, go back to normal life and coming out of lockdown. And, and for us, it, it won't be. I would love to take my dad down to the local Weatherspoons and, and have, a, have a pint because he would love that, especially if he was in lockdown for... If he was still here, he would have been in lockdown for that long. But unfortunately, we can't. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be the normal life for us. It's, everything's changed now. Um, and, and it's unfortunate. It's what we're going we're gonna to have to move on from. Thank you very much, Katie, for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for listening.